0: to your seats and pivot towards uh, the message time. I wanted to start by saying I found myself this week feeling so incredibly thankful to be a Christian. Um, as I was reflecting on faith and finances and sort of scanning the horizon of resources that are out there, one of the things that you can sort of take for granted and then God gives you a particular insight into it, you're like, oh, I never thought about it that way, is that Christianity, and I would argue only Christianity, actually gives you a comprehensive and exciting vision for your finances and wealth. It actually provides a really solid foundation, solid ground that you can build upon. You don't have to try and figure things out from scratch. We have God's revealed wisdom. And more than that, I was thinking about how everyone right now is, anxious and clamoring for some kind of financial or economic advantage they are seeking an insight or a practice that is going to provide power wisdom and guidance and security as we move into what is likely going to be a really tumultuous recessionary times and i have these moments every once in a while where i kind of know things and then god just sort of foregrounds them a little bit more and it feels more real. I don't, I, I don't know how else to say it. The penny drops in a fresh way. And I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, I see all these people trying to clamor for this advantage. And I had this epiphany that like, like having God in your life and access to his word and his spirit, that is like the ultimate advantage in life. It's the ultimate advantage. And last week, when we talked about the Macedonian church who gave themselves first to the Lord, that's actually the starting point of that advantage. When you give yourself over to God, even imperfectly, even messy, even without all the understanding, what you're actually doing is saying, God, I want your power and presence in my life. And that includes my financial life. And that means that when that invitation, when we really open our hearts to God, that God's power begins to work in every dimension of our lives. And that means I'm not alone when I'm trying to figure out these uh, financial stressors. I'm released from the burden of having to figure it out all on my own. I don't need to anticipate every potential bad outcome. I don't have to try and control every factor. I really can trust and obey. And this week was really refreshing for me because I felt like in a new way, God showed me that he wants his people to prosper. And I don't mean prosperity simply at the material or financial level, because you can prosper materially and run your life into the ditch. But God wants us to prosper, and that means having a full life of the things that make life actually rich. And a lot of the time, that isn't money. That's about deep connection with other people, a sense of purpose, uh, a sense of joy, being filled with the fruit of the Spirit, intimacy with God, experiencing God, Um, I remember Grace's comment at our Bible study on Wednesday, experiencing God as both an adventure and as a romance. That We're animated with a new power, a new energy. That's how God wants us to prosper. He wants to prosper us in a way that actually makes life better. Because it's actually very possible to prosper financially in a way that makes your life worse. I was also thinking about how... um, we talked about money maps last week, that we all have sort of a dominant emotional association with money and becoming aware that's really helpful to understand why you value the things that you do and also to bring that to God and say, where does my money map need to be amended or adjusted a little bit? Because usually we fixate on something about money, which is true, but if that fixation isn't recalibrated with a larger vision, it can actually hold us back from prospering. And I thought about the fact that one of the important things that we all need to integrate into our money maps, whether you see money as a source of love or freedom or security, is that money is a tool for blessing. Money and wealth is a tool for blessing. It's designed to bless. That's one of the meta themes in scripture. One of the most important things that happens again and again and again is this pattern where God blesses someone and then calls them to receive and enjoy that blessing and then extend that blessing to others. That's the big plot line of the Bible in a sense. God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12 and he calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. Your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And then I'm going to bless the world through you. God's people are always blessed in order to be a blessing. And so God's economy sort of looks like this. God loves us and is generous and he delights in blessing and giving to us. So God gives from love. God gives from goodness. We receive with gratitude and we receive with enjoyment. And then God begins to teach us how to look strategically around us and say, how do I extend that joy? How do I extend that blessing to other people? Um, Let me just pause there for a moment money um, or finances as a tool or a resource designed to bless, that, that really helped and inspired and, and impacted me this week. And I'm just wondering if there's any, anyone else who kind of felt like, yeah, that's helpful for me because. And does, that, does that kind of land with people? Is that a, a helpful perspective? Nodding heads, no. I'll tell you a, a reason why it's helpful for me. Um, because it shows me why I need to actually pay attention and give my attention to finances in general. Because I want to learn how to line myself up with God's priority, with God's heart, so that I enhance my ability to experience blessing and then to be a blessing to other people. And actually, that first part is harder for me. It's actually hard for me to receive blessing and enjoy it. I'm much more eager to be like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about me. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to extend this blessing to other people. And this idea that money and finances are a way that, one of the ways that God blesses us and then asks us to extend blessing to others is I kind of felt challenged by God to say, you know, God, Jeff, you don't enjoy the blessings that I have brought you. You're, in a good way, eager to to extend and share that with your family and other people. But this is helpful to say, yeah, actually, this is also meant for each of us. God delights in blessing us, wants us to prosper, and then wants us to extend that blessing. And I want to get better at that at every stage of my life. But that won't happen by accident. It's not just going to automatically happen. I have to turn my attention and to say, How do I learn to receive from God? And how do I learn from God how to extend? And as as we do that, I really begin, I think we begin to grow and heal and mature our understanding of money. And we begin to realize, yeah, this is foundationally a source of blessing. God gives blessing, we receive it, then we share that with those around us strategically. And then there's a cycle that is created because when God sees us enjoying our blessings and then extending that to other people, God gives more and God gives new blessings. As we're faithful with little, God provides more. Okay. I know the last two weeks and even some of that intro, it was very maybe conceptual and kind of painting a broad theological picture, but this is... Uh, the, the part of our series where we start to get practical. We want to shift into the practical. Last week we said, where do we start? And we started with giving ourselves first to the Lord. And that's the heart posture. That where, wherever we are to, at a major decision point in our life, we have to kind of pause and say, God, I want to, before I start, I start down this road, before I start this conversation, before I start trying to figure out the biblical print, all of it, I want to give myself to you. Your will be done in this situation in my life. So that's the heart piece, but what about the hand piece? Like the tangible, okay, but I wake up on Monday morning and what? What's the first material step? And I want to put before you the importance of planning and preparing as it relates to your finances. Now we would use the word budgeting for that. I know that's a loaded term, depending on your money map, you might have, you might be very excited when I talk about financial planning and budgeting, and you might be like, oh, I picked the wrong Sunday to roll out of bed. (laughs) I should have live streamed this from home. But planning and preparing, which is what a budget is, it's a plan on how we want to use our money. That is one of the most material, important expressions of us trusting God with our finances. Now, that might seem counterintuitive because for a lot of people, they, they think, well, isn't planning sort of like antithetical to trusting God? And they have this picture where if I trusted God, I wouldn't have to do all this work and try to figure everything out. and I would just trust God. Isn't budgeting and planning about control? And again, maybe because of our money map or certain associations we have with those words, we, we, we feel it's more driven by a lack of trust than actually trusting God. And what I want to challenge you with, if that's your, if you kind of lean in that direction of saying, I don't understand how budgeting and planning actually is an expression of trusting God, if that isn't intuitive for you, then maybe we do need to allow the scripture to reorient our money map a little bit. Because in the Bible, trusting God does not mean abdicating personal agency and responsibility over areas that God has called you to be responsible for. I'm not trusting God faithfully. I'm not a super heroic spiritual person. If I trust God to provide for me so much, I'll just kind of float through life, maybe not even show up for work. You trust God, but you're, you must be motiva- motivated by anxiety to actually show up and do your job. I trust God so much, I just don't do anything. Like, no, if, if someone talked like that, lived like that, you would recognize yeah, something's out of order here because the life of faith is a cooperation. Trusting God means doing the things that he has said. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one. 31. Uh, on the screen, there's three different translations, but all of them are important. The first is the more mainstream uh, NIV, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. From the Christian Standard Bible, a horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord. And then from the paraphrase, the message do your best, prepare for the worst, trust God for victory. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. Who's doing the preparation? We are. It's our horse. And we're not just, like, feeding the horse. We're preparing it. Maybe we won't have to go to war, but we are preparing it so that if we had to, we could. We're preparing our horse, and the horse, think of the horse as just, like, our resources, our material resources. We prepare. There's, a, there's something that we have to do every day. And that doesn't go against trusting God. It's complementary. I prepare as best as I can but I recognize I can't control these outcomes. So I then bring the loaves and fishes, like Carrie said, and say, here it is, God, I'm trusting you for the victory. I'm trusting you for the outcome. Trusting God doesn't mean passivity. It actually requires cooperation. We need to do what is ours to do and then leave the results to God. And when God asks us to trust in him, Part of what that means is to understand what he has told us to do and then trust him enough to actually do it and one of the things he has told us to do he's told his people old testament and new is to plan and prepare your finances now the word budgeting isn't in the bible because we have a much different economic system than they had there then but All throughout the Bible, people are making plans and strategies around their resources. Planning is essential to any area of success. Sorry, to success in any area of life. And we shouldn't expect financial peace or that um, God-blessed shalomic um, um, sense of joy and fullness in our financial life. If we are living in a way that promotes chaos and disorder and financially speaking, living without a plan or preparation, and regardless of how good the attention, attention is, just kind of winging it financially is not a recipe for financial peace and stability and flourishing. It actually promotes anxiety, and chaos. One of the too-long-didn't-read versions of this call to plan and prepare our finances comes from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 27. Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds because riches don't last forever and a crown isn't secure for all generations. Again, in an agrarian society, livestock is wealth. But we can port that over and say, be sure to know the condition of your material finances, your material assets, your overall wealth. Give careful attention to your financial life because riches don't endure forever. Prosperity isn't secure for all. Prosperity isn't, ine- isn't inevitable. You actually have to give attention to it. So, you and I have been entrusted with some measure. We've been, financially, all of us have been entrusted with a flock. Now, maybe we've got a flock of three sheep, and others have a flock of 10,000. But you've been entrusted by God at your stage of life with a certain financial portfolio, whether it's meager or much. And that has a purpose. And God has a design for those finances. And God has patterns and principles, and wants to lead us into peace and flourishing. But we have to learn how to use those things well so that we can actually receive God's blessing. Because if God has said, do this, and we say, okay, I'll take that under advisement, and then we try and figure things out on our own, we don't trust God to actually follow through on what he says, we become the bottleneck. And then we keep failing to build prosperity and financial momentum and peace, but it's because we aren't actually yielding to God. So the start of revising, changing, getting on a better path, enhancing, building our financial condition is to know our financial situation, to actually assess it, and then to begin planning and strategizing how we want it to change. So in these last few minutes, I'm just going to outline two steps. I'm just going to kind of move through them in the next two minutes. You're not going to do them right now. You can kind of in your head, you can kind of track along, you can anticipate where this might go for you, but I don't want you to actually do it. This is your homework between now and next Sunday. It's two steps. And that comes out of this proverb to consider where you're at financially and then give attention to how to nurture health, how to nurture growth, the next steps to making sure that your flock and your herd is in a better place next week than it is now. So here's the first step. We're just gonna identify the condition of our finances. We're just identifying. We're gonna look at six, I invite you to look at six main areas. Assess your current income, total income that comes into your household. Look at your total assets, just write down all the things all the assets that you have, what's your total debt load, your current spending levels, and in broad strokes, I mean, you don't have to, if you want, you can, you don't have to drill down, but just get a picture of kind of the pie of where is the majority of my money being spent? Again, just, just identify it. How much am I saving or investing for the future? How much am I giving? to advance the things of God, to bless other people outside of my immediate household. Now, those last three categories, what am I spending, income, spending, saving, giving, that's actually pretty easy right now because we're all going to get into tax season and we're going to have some objective measures in terms of this is what came in and this is kind of where I'm spending money and this is savings, this is giving. And so this is actually a really, really good time to do this. And then what I want you to do is after those numbers, and I know some people are going to be more detailed oriented than others. That's totally fine. But we want to at least drill down to some measure of detail so that you get a picture. If it's, you know what? It seems like I spend about $100 more over the course of the month than comes in. I wasn't aware of that. Okay, there it is. Then you're just going to color code each area. Green, yellow, red. Green meaning, I feel like I'm in a pretty healthy spot here, I like where I'm at, feeling good about it. Yellow being not amazing, I'm not in a panic though either, but this is definitely an area that I'd like to figure out how to take some steps to nudge that and push that towards green. And you color code it red if you're in a place where you're troubled. So this is what it might look like at the end of this 20 or 30 or 40 minute review. You're going to say, okay, yeah, income's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay there. Assets and debt, yeah, there's some things I want to look at. I'm a little concerned about maybe overspending in this area or I don't really actually track my spending at all, and that's probably not good. So i got to f- figure out how to do that sustainably. And then savings, good and giving, you know, maybe I overestimated or underestimated how much I was giving over here as opposed to here, and I want to work on that. So we're just kind of color coding it to bring us into an awareness of not just where we're at, but how do we feel where we're at? Here are some questions you can ask as part of this process. You can say, is there anything out of alignment here, like really grossly out of alignment with what I understand God's um, values to be as it relates to how I see and use my money? So we're just looking for really big um, disjointed patterns. We're like, whoa, that's... Really crazy. Like I'm not saving anything. Now again, we can have a discussion of how much I should save, but I'm pretty sure the Bible talks about the importance of saving and preparing for the future. So zero is not good. Is there anything grossly out of alignment with your values, like your own values, the things that are important to you? You're like, you know what? I'm we're not um, spending in the way that I would like to. I don't feel like we're spending strategically. We're we're, we're okay. We're my you know money in and out is that's okay. We're not accumulating debt, but I feel like I don't really know where a huge chunk of my money goes to. Does the condition of your finances help facilitate the fruit of the spirit in your life? Does it actually help to build love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control more and more, right? I mean, likely if you have a lot more yellows and reds, that's not the case. Um, but look at those areas and say, is the way that I'm going about my finances helping me in my overall calling to live wholeheartedly before God? Or is this feeling like a millstone? And then here, here's, here's a tough one. Where do I imagine I'm going to be in two years if these financial patterns actually don't change? Like if I were to lock this in right now, in two years from now, is my financial situation healthier? Do I am I on a growth trajectory, a stagnation trajectory, a slow decline, or a precipitous decline? And again, we're asking those questions. Um, well, let me ask you. Let's po- stop for a second. Why would why might it be important to just do this step? Just bring high level awareness to these major categories of our finances. Why is that important? Before we jump into practical tips and tricks and principles, what are some ideas? Why, either for you or could you imagine, this might be helpful for people to just know the condition of their flocks before they make another step. It's It's super difficult to move forward if you don't know your baseline. And if you're like me... I can be sort of avoidant of looking at this stuff. And so I just have an imagined baseline. And again, that's not faithful. That's not knowing the conditions of my flocks. That's like saying, I've got about roughly probably 100-ish sheep, I'm pretty sure. And meanwhile, I've got 340 and I'm not properly adapting my life to, to help and support them. So you can't even identify if you're progressing, if you don't know where you are. What's another reason why this might be important to do? Just bring awareness to where you are at. Help prioritize. prioritize. Yeah, exactly. This is going to be that next step. If this is where I'm at, this is actually fairly helpful because I can say, okay, I'm a little overwhelmed. There's a lot of areas where I feel like I am not rocking it, um, but... I really need to start with my spending. That's red. And so instead of trying to tackle all 100 directions that you could go in, it gives you some clarity and it helps you with those next steps. What needs to be the priority? Any other thoughts on why this process is important to just bring awareness? Absolutely. It has, even though it's at a very high level, if you know, knew, for example, that I tend to overspend by about $100 to $200 every month, it, you know, regardless of what income comes in, that as I'm going to the grocery store, as I'm about to pivot and you know, get two or three $9 coffees during the day or to make this financial purchase, there's a, just a helpful uh, speed bump that says, oh, this is where that money is going. And is that actually essential or do I need to pull back on that? How do I need to change or amend things? So it actually impacts your daily life a lot. And for a lot of people, and again, I'll confess, this is me. Um, I wasn't modeled uh, by people in my life how to know the condition of your flocks to really, it was kind of like money in, money out. We kind of hope and pray for the best and just kind of things work out. So this is stressful for me to do. Just just the awareness building is stressful for me to do. But it's actually really important because it can give anyone who does it a wake-up call. Because you're going to realize where you're out of alignment. And give you a different perspective to say, okay, here's where I need to grow, here's where I want to grow. Now I do want to say, this can be triggering to do it on your own. It can be even more difficult to do it with a spouse right? Money's attention point. So what I want to say is it's important to move into this evaluation at a time where you both feel like you can come without being defensive. You can come with patience. You know, don't force this conversation on your spouse at 11 p.m. at night when they're tired. We need to be mindful of each other's money maps. And you want to approach this conversation with a yes and attitude. So when someone says, Here's where I think, or we're evaluating together, and maybe one or both of you are kind of like, oh, this is awkward to do, and this is embarrassing, and oh, it's discouraging, or maybe we're encouraged here, but not over here. And then we get to the next step, which is, which is about what are those next steps? Instead of getting defensive when your spouse says, I really think I'd like, and I think we need to be saving more money, we don't respond with, are you kidding me? We need to get our spending in order first. It's yes, and I really feel, I'd feel a lot better if we could figure out a way to free up some money to save more. I hear that. Yes. And I'd also like to figure out a way to curtail our spending. So it's not a competition. You're not trying to beat each other. You're actually trying to work together and just adopting an attitude of yes. I hear what you're saying. Like that's, I affirm that. And I also want to try and figure out this that can help bring down the tension point. The next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna revise the plan. We're going to say, okay, what needs to change? What would I like to change? Probably wanna start with red and then moving on to yellow and the green, spending, saving, giving, debt reduction. But this is what you're not gonna do. You're not actually gonna come up with a plan this week because this is enough. To bring into awareness where you're at color code it and then say this is the one or these are the one or two areas that i think i need to pay particular attention to over the next few weeks at church as we move through these areas and talk about steps that you can take now i'm not saying you can't move ahead on those things you can start reading articles getting books uh asking me or rick or other people in your life for resources that's fine i'm just saying it's a victory this week to say Here's the condition of my flocks. Here's how I feel about it. And this is how I'd like it to change over the next year. I don't know how that's possible, but I would like to move this yellow to a green. I'd like to move this red to a yellow. And then you go to God and say, God, this is a lot for me. I don't see how this is going to work, but would you help me? This is what is mine to do. I'm trying to plan and prepare for a healthier financial future. Will you help me? And we trust that to God. So sit down and assess where you're at, color code it, revise it in terms of where do I I or we want to have changes, and then commit it to God. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to let God's word teach us practically how to move away from chaos and into health and flourishing in each of those areas, you have been entrusted with a little financial flock, a little financial herd, and it has a purpose. And we do have a responsibility to learn, even if it's uncomfortable, how to manage it, how to prepare it, how to use it properly so that we can be blessed and so that we could extend blessing to other people. And this begins with knowing the condition of our finances, and then be giving, and then begin to give our attention to it with God's help. Let's pray. God, would you help us? Especially for those of us who have already done some of the, the calculations in our head, and there's a lot of yellow and red across these areas. And maybe we, we carry a lot of shame, we carry a lot of guilt, we carry a lot of confusion, um, we carry a lot of anxiety. Would you particularly uh, bring your power and presence to bear on those people's lives? I count myself as one of them, God. And I pray that you will help us to begin to set things right, we want to do what is ours to do, God, but we don't think that we can lead ourselves into financial flourishing and real prosperity. You have to lead us into that. So would you help us in whatever way we need? And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Betty and team, why don't you come up and lead us in a final worship song?